Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. One of the most well-known parables told by the Lord Jesus Christ was the story of the prodigal son, a young man who was tired of living under his father's roof and fell for the allure and excitement of the city life. Far more than merely a commentary on family life and human relationships, the story is really a picture of how we, as sinners, have strayed away from God and desire to live our lives just as we choose without God. It's a sad commentary on the human heart. Just like the prodigal son, we take all the good things that the Father has provided for us and leave for the far country to spend our time and resources on things that just don't satisfy. Only when the prodigal son came to his senses to realize that the path he was on was not a good one, he was prepared then to turn back in search of all that he had left behind. And what exactly did he find? Well, he found a loving father who was longing for his return and welcomed him with open arms. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. John Grant explains to us the many similarities between our sinful condition and the condition of that prodigal son. But what a wonderful conclusion that story has. After wasting our valuable time and endangering our precious souls, God is still waiting for us to return to Him in repentance, and He will receive us with open arms. We trust that this simple story told by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself will help all of our listeners to appreciate the tremendous love of God for wandering prodigals. What about you? Are you one of them? The Gospel by Luke, please, and chapter number 15, and we will read it verse number 1. Then drew near unto him, that is, unto the Lord Jesus, all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. Down, please, to verse number 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, 
But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring in his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. When you turn your attention to the opening two verses of the 15th chapter of the Gospel by Luke, you find that the Lord Jesus is speaking to those who were tax gatherers, and of course the very nature of their activity employed by the Roman occupying powers made these folks very much to be held in disrespect by the population. And so they are gathered with him publicans and sinners, and they are gathered for the purpose of hearing him. I want you to notice right at the beginning that the Pharisees and scribes said something about the Lord Jesus. And invariably sometimes when people tried to make disparaging remarks about the Lord Jesus, they said what was exactly true. And this time what they said was true because they said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. I want to tell you tonight right at the beginning that the gospel of the grace of God which we preach This grand and glorious message that we find within the pages of the Word of God is a message that tells us that the Lord Jesus receives sinners. I think that is one of the great and the glorious factors of the Gospel. It does not say that he receives good people. It does not say that he receives reformed people. It does not say that he receives clever people. It does not say that he receives religious people. It says quite clearly in this little section of Luke's Gospel that this man, the Lord Jesus, receives sinners. Now these folks came to hear the Lord Jesus, but it is recorded that this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. In other words, at the end of the day, they realized that they had a far greater privilege that day than ever they could have expected. Not only did he meet them, but he sat down and he did a meal with them. In other words, sinners were welcome in the presence of Christ. And we will see that he took the opportunity of telling them three little stories. These are called parables, and they are three of the parables of the Lord Jesus. He spoke first of all about a sheep that got lost, and then he spoke about a coin that got lost, and then he spoke about a son that got lost. And he was really telling us that sinners who have never come to Christ are folks who are lost. They are lost in that they are not on the road to heaven. They are lost in that they are not followers of the Lord Jesus. They are lost in that they have never accepted Him as their Savior and Lord. But when I look at these three little parables, I learn three distinct lessons. In the first parable, it was a sheep that was lost. And in that parable, we learn about the danger which faced the lost. Friends, tonight, if you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, you are in danger. And then he tells the parable of a coin that had got lost. And there he speaks about the value of those who are lost. I want to tell you tonight that the Lord Jesus values sinners. He does not disregard them. He does not treat them with contempt. But he values sinners. And so the first parable tells us about the danger which faced the lost. 
The parable of the coin tells me about the value that is placed on the lost. But then I come to this prodigal son. Not a lost coin, not a lost sheep, but a lost son. And I want us to see this evening that when we turn to the lost son, we are not thinking so much about the danger that faces the lost, and not thinking so much about the value of the lost, but we are thinking of the wasted life of the lost, a life that had little purpose, the waste that is in a life that has never come to know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord. I want to see three things about him. I want, first of all, to notice that he came to his father, Give me, give me, he said, the portion of goods that falleth to me. Here was a son, and I want you to notice, please, one or two things about him. If you look at the life of this individual, you will see that it was his feelings that were the problem. He felt restricted. He felt somehow or other he could not develop himself, find himself, fulfill himself. And I want to speak to those firstly in Christian homes, not yet believers in the Lord Jesus. You feel that the gospel is a restricting influence, something that holds you down, something that holds you back. I want to tell you tonight, the gospel is a liberating influence. The gospel is a message that brings freedom. The gospel is not a message that restricts you into a narrow kind of life that sucks all enjoyment out of your day and means that every day is a day of restricted misery. That is what the devil tells you the gospel is. That is what he tells you is the result of believing in Jesus Christ. The gospel is freedom and joy in knowing that sins are forgiven and it's heaven at the end of life's journey. But that is what he felt. He felt in the Father's house it would be too restrictive. I want you to notice, secondly, that he comes to his Father and he says, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. He was deceptive. He did not tell his Father exactly what was in his mind. And that day he determined to depart and never to come back again. I know that because the scripture tells me that he took everything he gathered all together and took his journey. If you're coming back home again, you don't take everything with you. You leave something behind. He left nothing behind. He was going. And he was determined to have a life without his father. I wonder tonight if I'm speaking to somebody and you're determined to have a life without the gospel. You're determined to have a life without God. You're determined to have a life of freedom. So you think. A life to fulfill yourself. A life to enjoy. So that you don't come to this gospel, which indeed you think will restrict you, will hem you in, will suppress you. I want you to get rid of those things tonight. The gospel is not a message like that. And now the son goes and he has resources, or so he thinks, that will last forever. And so he commences a life of waste. That's what he's doing. The Lord Jesus said this, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If I'm speaking to you tonight and you are saying there are things in my life that will keep me back from salvation, things in my life that will keep me back from this gospel, I want to tell you tonight you will learn this, if not now at the end of life's journey, that there is absolutely nothing that is worth holding on to in order to avoid the gospel of the grace of God. 
There is no substitute for God's salvation. And any substitute lived in life, no matter how much you earn, the heights to which you reach, I tell you it's a bad bargain to gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Because your own soul is of more value than the whole of this world's wealth put together. Friends, tonight we preach that message. Here was a man, and he considered that he himself and the enjoyment of this life was worth it because he would not, could not accept that what he had and what he left behind was something of value. And so it was waste. I want you to notice, please, what happened to him. The Bible says quite clearly that he wasted his substance with riotous living. Now I want to be clear about this tonight. And I want you to understand what the Bible says. It says quite clearly, and you may rebel against this. And you may, what right has that preacher from Scotland to say this? I tell you, I have the right of the scripture behind me. I want to tell you tonight that a life without Christ is a wasted life. I say again, I don't care what you gain. I don't care what you earn. I don't care, as I said, the heights to which you climb. The Savior said, the whole world was worth less than your soul. And I tell you now, a life without this gospel, this gospel that tells you that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, this gospel that speaks of a price that was paid at Calvary, the highest price ever paid by anybody at any time, in any circumstance. I want to tell you tonight that that price was paid by the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. And I tell you, if you ignore the gospel and determine that belief in Jesus Christ is not for you, I tell you tonight, you are living a wasted life. I want to drive that home. The Bible clearly says it. Here is a man, and the Word of God says that he wasted his substance with riotous living. I want you to see that that is what lies ahead of those who determine that they will never accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior. I know I've spoken to them. I've had conversations with them who seem to have had so much, and yet when you get down to it and you speak to them, they say, you know, really, at the bottom of it, they acknowledge the lack of satisfaction that comes from a life without Christ. Friends, tonight, you may not like to have that put over your head lost, but the scripture is quite clear, without the gospel you're lost. And if you say that the word has the air of hopelessness about it, I concur entirely. It has the air of hopelessness about it. Lost. Lost for eternity. Lost for Christ. Lost for heaven. Lost. A lost son. And tonight it may be that you have determined you don't want this gospel, you don't want this Christ. I tell you, you just put over your head, lost. But I've got to tell you tonight, the Savior who died on Calvary has a message for the lost. A message that is clear and plain and easy to understand. There is a way out clear and plainly marked in the Word of God. And I'm preaching tonight, I believe, to lost souls. And this boy was lost. I want you to observe, please, his desperation. Do you notice that he goes and joins himself to a citizen of that country? In other words, he tries to fix his problem, just as you might try to fix your problems of life without Christ. You might say, well, I acknowledge that I really am a lost sinner, but I can put this right myself. I don't need Christ to put this right. I can have counseling. 
I can have this. I've got something else. I can try without Christ to put this right. You know what happened? Instead of putting it right, it made it worse. Here is the answer. And the answer is found when this boy came to the stage hungry, lost, with no apparent alleviation of his plight. And I want you to understand the turning point in the life of this lad. The turning point which is the turning point in the life of anyone who treads the same pathway as himself. He says, I'm going to go home to my father. And you know what I'm going to say? I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy. Our friends tonight, the pathway to Christ starts with that proclamation. The pathway to Christ, the pathway to salvation, the pathway of the gospel, which will bring you salvation into your life, starts when you say, I have sinned. Thousands of souls, thousands of souls have passed the glory gates into heaven this day. And if you had been able to be there and stop them and ask them and said, tell me, what God you hear? Do you deserve to be here? Everyone would say, I'm here and I don't deserve to be here. But I'm here because there was a point in my life when I came to Jesus Christ and said, I am a guilty sinner. There is no way to heaven that bypasses that point. Now, do you notice this? Sinning is not just against your neighbor. Well, I want you to grasp that tonight. We sin. And sometimes in sinning, we hurt others and we sin against the interest of others. I want to tell you that that's important. But above everything else, we must realize I have sinned against heaven. Every sin is against heaven. Every sin is abhorrent to God. And therefore the pathway to God's salvation starts at the point where I say, I have sinned. There's nobody in heaven tonight who refused to say that. That's the starting point. You might say, well, why is it so vital? Is sin that serious? You see, we try to rub it out today. I was in a school class in Scotland some years ago, and I put the letter up on the blackboard, S I S-I-N, the teacher came back in, and as she passed the blackboard, she did a double take. She says, can I have a word with you? She says, we actually don't believe in sin in this school. I said, well, what would you call the behavior of the children when I came into the class today? Oh, she says, no, no, that's not sin. I said, well, what do you call it? She says, I call it deviant behavior. I said, you're absolutely right. What standard do you deviate from? She says, I'll tell you tomorrow. I said, no, you see, you're quite right, because the gospel says we are sinners when we deviate from the word of God, when we deviate, for instance, from the Ten Commandments, when we deviate from the principles and the character of a holy God. That's sin. And do you notice what the boy said? I have sinned against heaven and before thee, but it was against heaven first. And God is angry with the sinner every day. And God is offended about sin, but the God who feels that offense is the God who loves the sinner. I want to tell you that tonight. God loves the sinner. You're sitting here tonight and you don't know God's salvation. I tell you, God loves you. And here we have this tremendous change. I will arise and go to my Father and I will say I have sinned against heaven and in thy sin and am no more worthy to be called thy son. I tell you, when you come to Christ for salvation, the hymn writer got it right. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. 
You don't come to Christ tonight saying, I'm a worthy specimen. You don't come to him saying, I'm really worth it, you know. You come saying, I'm a guilty, guilty sinner. Oh, if we can just get in this generation, in this society that has minimized sin, that plays it down. I want you to understand it's what keeps you out of heaven. It's a serious business. It's a mighty thing. And I want to tell you, tonight you can find an answer to it by coming to the Savior and saying, I'm a guilty sinner deserving judgment and I bring nothing but myself. And you know this? That's what he wants. Not the works of your hand. He just wants you. Now notice please what takes place. He arose and came to his father. What kind of welcome is he going to get? Look at his past. He squandered the inheritance he got. He's a pauper. He's in rags. He's emaciated. The world would look on and say he's a waster. He's a nobody. And he comes home. He didn't need to knock the door. He didn't need to beg for entrance. Before he even came near, the father saw him. And the Bible says that he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. I'm telling you tonight, there is a warm welcome waiting for every sinner who comes to Christ tonight. It's a warm welcome. Father throws his arms round him. An emaciated, wasted boy. I tell you, you come to Christ tonight, no matter what your sins have been, no matter what your track record has been, no matter what your life has been, no matter what your days has been, I tell you, there's a Christ waiting to welcome you home. And he's waiting tonight. What a welcoming God. You might say to me tonight, why is it that the Lord Jesus can do this thing? I'm going to tell you tonight about the cross of Calvary. I'm telling you about a Savior who came from heaven and died on the cross. Not for good people. Not for clever people. Not for people who are cleaning their act up. He came to die for sinners. Sinners. Just like this young man. Sinners away, lost, wasting their life. And tonight, the Christ of Calvary, who gave himself for sinners. If you put your trust in him tonight, if you acknowledge him tonight, if you take him tonight as Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, his death on Calvary is the means by which your sins can be forgiven. Because God's judgment was poured out on Christ at the cross If you come and take him as your Savior, you can say, My sins deserved eternal death, but Jesus died for me. What a message. I tell you, there's power, power in the cross of Calvary, power in the shed blood of Christ to deal with your sins tonight once and for all eternity. You say, preacher, I couldn't keep it up. I tell you, the gospel is not that you keep it up. The gospel is that he keeps you up. And if you take him as your saviour tonight, and you come home, home to the God who made you, home to the God who loves you, home to the God who sent his son to die for sinners like you and sinners like me. And what he gives you is the gift of eternal life. And you know what he says about those who have eternal life? He says they will never perish. And you can walk out this hall tonight, possessed of an eternal life that can never be taken away from you and will be yours for all eternity. Oh, come tonight to Christ. He's waiting. He wants you. And he wants to give you the greatest gift you will ever receive. The gift of eternal life. And once you've got it, you've got it for all eternity. Not by working, not by paying, not by being religious, but by putting your trust and faith in the Christ who died at Calvary.
if you find yourself among the prodigals who are still wandering in the far country of your experience, looking for true happiness and peace in a world that can never deliver, why don't you repent, just as that prodigal son did in this story? Change your mind about yourself and about God, and come to Christ for salvation. You'll find that he is running towards you too, to give you the pardon that he purchased himself on the cross of Calvary. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor. <laughs>